have your Bible, you can turn to the book of Ephesians. This is the first book of the Bible that we're working through. Um, I keep joking in our two previous services that uh, I promise that we'll speed up, but right so far we've just covered two verses a week, and part of that is intentional, and part of that is because it's so rich. Um, it's intentional because, uh, you know, we don't remember two days, so I, I don't want us to try to get us too far in Ephesians and two previous services. So we're going to talk about verses 5 and 6 today, and then next week we're going to be starting in verse 7 through hopefully 10. I'm going to start in verse 1, and we'll catch this up. Paul, an apostle of, Jesus, of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. So two previous services ago, we talked about Ephesus as a church. It was a city of about, say, 300,000 people. It was a very important and a very rich city in the Roman Empire. It had a safe harbor, and it sat in the middle of two very important trade routes from east to west. And so whenever, anytime you have a harbor and you have trade routes, there's a lot, of, a lot of money to be made. Also, it was a tourist town. This is where we kind of tied it into maybe somewhat like the ancient version of Myrtle Beach to some extent. Uh, 300,000 people happens to be about the same population of Myrtle Beach, and they had one of the seven wonders of the world, the temple of, uh, I just forgot it. Yeah, that guy. And it was a it was an amazing structure. Part of it was gilded with gold, so it would shine in the sun, and people from all over the world would come and visit it. In fact, people out would be along the street, and they would sell trinkets. I kind of picture that as sort of our beachwear stores. you got to come to Myrtle Beach, and you got to buy some shells, or you got to buy a towel or a t-shirt that says Myrtle Beach on it. So they sold these little trinkets, which are miniaturized versions of the temple that you could you know, put in your pocket or your tunic and take home and set up on the mantle and show people, hey, we went to, uh, we went to uh, Ephesus. Uh, uh, you know, you could bore them with your slideshow and all that stuff. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. Now here's our text for today. In love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Father, we pray that uh, you would speak to us this morning. I pray that um, it wouldn't be um, my thoughts or my words, but that uh, your Holy Spirit would guide us this morning in truth, that the Holy Spirit would glorify the Son and the Father and that our eyes and our hearts would be lifted up to see you for who you really are. Lord, I pray that you would cut through um, my hard heart, even as I study your word this morning. I pray you would cut through all of our hard hearts. We come from all kinds of backgrounds this morning. We come through rain. We come from different weeks. Some of us had great weeks. Some of us had really tough, trying ones. I pray you would meet us all where we are. You would lead us to yourself. Glorify your son in his name we pray. Amen. So before, before time began, before time began, before the earth was 
before, before a single star hung in space, before the universe existed. But I can't wrap my head around that. There was nothing except God. And throughout all of eternity, God has existed. And this is one of the crazy things about it. Dale already touched on it, pre front sermon before I got up here. Pre-existent before time began, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit existed together. They existed together in perfect harmony and community. They existed together. Have you guys ever been in a really good a really good dinner party, or sat around coffee with a, a, a longtime friend, a couple of friends, and it was just like, it was just like a perfect moment, like good food, good drink, you're enjoying each other, you're laughing, you're celebrating, and, and, and perfect, like for that moment, perfect harmony, have you ever experienced that? Ever experienced like a, a really nice weekend with your spouse, or or really good family vacation for that, for that sliver between the kids complaining. Like, this, it's just like, it's clicking, it's working. Like, man, this is nice. That's simply a shadow, a picture, a, a faint glimmer of what it was like for God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit existing in perfect community throughout all of eternity. God the Father enjoying the Son, and the Son enjoying the Spirit, and the Spirit enjoying the Father, and the Spirit enjoying Jesus, and Jesus enjoying the Spirit, and back and forth in this crazy, what the theologians call it, it has this name called perichoresis, and it's, that's not really important, except it's kind of a picture of this almost like, almost like a cosmic dance of God the Father laughing and enjoying himself as shown in his son and the son laughing and enjoying himself the, his, him, what is shown to him and the father back and forth in perfect harmony and joy and perfection throughout all of eternity. Can you imagine that? Oh, well, we really can't imagine that, what it was like. But that in the, before the world began, there was community and harmony and perfection. God the Father enjoying the Son. Did you look at that last phrase in the um, verse 6 that we read? Which he has blessed us in the beloved. Does your version have that with a capital B? Well, it should if it doesn't. Because that when it says in the beloved, it's talking about someone. The, the, the Greek wording there talks about the Son of his love. Throughout all of eternity, God the Father... God the Son and God the Spirit had no need, no emptiness, no sense of loss. You know that, that sense where you're going to sleep and, or, or when you're sitting in a quiet moment and you're just thinking like this uh, a sense of lack or things aren't right or man, a, a loneliness or a, a longing, a void deep inside. God the Father never experienced that. God the Son never experienced that because he had the Son his perfection is shown to him in the Son. And yet, for some reason that we don't understand, except to show forth just how to share and to show forth his beauty and his glory, not because he had any need, but because out of his gracious goodness, he created the universe. 
He created a planet, and the tiny planet in the middle of this universe, it created these beings on this planet called human beings that he said he created in his own image. He created man because he was creating a community of people for his own possession, for his glory. If you are here today, if you are a human being that is grieving, if any human being who has ever drawn breath, the reason you were created is you were created to know and to love and to enjoy God. That's what you're created for. And that longing, that void, that empty space that you feel whenever those moments when you're most truthful with yourself, and that quiet hour right before you fall asleep, or that quiet moment before you take your first cup of coffee when you feel the weight of life pressing in on you. That's because you were created. For someone else. But something happened very bad right at the very beginning. We call it the fall. And though Adam and Eve were created in the image of the Father in the garden, they totally messed it up. The serpent comes to Eve, and there was one tree that the Father said, Don't eat of this tree. The Father, who they had perfect communion with, they would go for walks in the, in the cool of the day. Can you imagine that? Like, Megan likes to take walks. I'm not a big walker. I'm like, that's, that just seems really boring and waste of time, like walking around the neighborhood and you're coming back to the house. Like, I walk and I have to go somewhere, but just walking around the neighborhood, I don't know, it seems like a waste of time, except I, get, I guess I get to be with her, which is, should make it all worthwhile. Um, we'll take walks. So, but can you imagine taking a walk with God in the garden that he created in the cool of the day? And yet, even though they were in perfect community with the Father, they, the serpent comes to Eve and says, you know what? The Father really doesn't have your best intentions at all. There, what if there's another way? What if he's hiding something from you? Why don't you check this out? Why don't you see if he's being really being truthful with you, if he really loves you, if he's really looking out for his best? If he was, why would he tell you not to eat of this? He's really concerned you're going to be like him if you eat this fruit. And so Eve, the damage was already done, started to look at the fruit and think, maybe it is good. Even though the father said not to touch it, maybe that is the way I should go. And she took the fruit and she ate it. And Adam, who was created to be her protector, he wasn't off on a vacation somewhere. He wasn't on a business trip on the other side of Eden. The Bible says he was with her, and he partake of the fruit himself. And it's downhill from there. Our unity with the Father is broken, and as stewards of the earth, which he created us to be in charge of the earth, as stewards of the earth, the earth fell with us. And that's why it's rainy and cold this morning whenever we're trying to get here and have a preview service. That's why it's, we work by the toil and sweat of our brow and Childbearing is apparently really tough and hard on women. It's not a lot of fun. It's painful, so I hear. Look at, uh, look at Romans 1, verse 23. This is the sin that we have fallen into and we have inherited from our father Adam. Just like I inherited a, my nose from a particular side of my family and my, um, you know, some, Baby got back. Um, 
got that from a particular side of my family. I got my ugly feet from another side of my family. It runs, it just comes all the way through. And so we inherited this from our father, Adam, as well. Verse 20, we'll start at verse 22, verse 21, sorry. For although they knew God, that's every human being, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. So Eve looked at the fruit on the tree, and she said, I think that would be a good thing to do. She thought she was being wise and smart, but in the process of her trying to become wise and smart, she became a fool, and so did Adam. And verse 23, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God. For images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Look at Jeremiah verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 12. Jeremiah 2, verse 12. Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked, be utterly desolate, declares the Lord. So God is saying, this is a really bad, really bad big deal. This should, this should appall you. This should appall us. Be appalled, O heavens. Be shocked. Be utterly desolate, declares the Lord. Verse 13, for my people have committed two evils. What are those evils? They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. We've fallen under the same pattern that Adam and Eve did when they looked for another fountain. We're... God is the fountain of all as beautiful and wonderful and creative and joyful and good. And we looked for another fountain. We said, maybe there's another source. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. He is the only fountain of living waters. And hewed out cisterns for themselves. Broken cisterns that can hold no water. What's a cistern? A cistern is something you set up to collect water. And they, he said, I am a fountain of water, a fountain of living water. As long as you're connected to me, you will never thirst. You will never hunger. You will always be satisfied. You will always be satiated. But we decided, no, I'm going to go cut out, instead of being at the fountain, I'm going to go cut out my own cistern. And he says, You've hung, you, not only have you hewn your own cistern, but it's a broken one. You have sinned, and it's also a futile sin. And that's why it always leads. No matter what your and my cistern in this is, and we all have it, whether you've been walking with God 25 years or 25 hours, we all have our cisterns. We all have something that we are thinking like, all right, this is a backup plan. Just in case God isn't enough for me, I'm going to have this other backup plan. I'm going to have this other relationship, this other thing, this other, uh, I'm going to have money in the bank, or I'm going to have this job, or I'm going to have these kids, or I'm going to have these relationships that are going to, Give me what I need just in case. Just in case he's not enough, but they are all broken. They all leak. They, none of them are worthy. None of them work. And so though there was a fall, and at the fall, excuse me, that we were separated from the Father. You see, we all have a Father issue. You may have had an earthly dad that was a great dad. You may have had an earthly dad that was a really sorry dad. You may have had one that was somewhere in the middle. But we all have a father issue. 
And the issue isn't necessarily with your earthly father. The, earth, the issue is with our heavenly father, the one for whom we were created. Jesus tells a story. It's called the prodigal son. You guys familiar with that story? It's pretty amazing. You have the father. He has two sons. And the younger son comes to him and says, all right, dad, um, this is really cool and all. I know we have this big estate. It was a pretty cool gig to be the son of a landowner. In, this, in Jesus' time, it was a pretty cool gig. But he said, uh, really, I would just like the money. You know, I know you're going to die. You're going to leave me half the estate. So could you just go ahead and give it to me now? Which was a pretty big deal. It was basically saying, God, uh, Father, I wish you were dead. Uh, could you just go ahead and die and give me my money and uh, we could call it even. And the father in his magnum magnanimous nature said, all right, we'll do that. We'll do that. And so he went through all kinds of pains, divided his estate in half, and gave the, the money, liquidated assets, gave the money to his son. His son just left. He went away. The Bible tells us it, it, he went to riotous living, which is Bible for he partied like it was 1999. He, he tore down. He went to the beach. He rented the, he rented the penthouse. He was down in South Beach. He was flying Europe. He was living the life. He was partying on and on. He was dancing. He was living it up. He was, he was buying the tabs. It was all in the house. I've got this. He was living it up. Wasted all that the father had built. Not just the father, but the land was probably passed down to the family. He wasted half of what the family had built for generations in we don't know how long. Months? Days? When, when you've got Money burning in your pocket. It doesn't take very long to go through it, does it? He went off and he had a ball and he ran out of money. And when he ran out of money, he ran out of friends. That ever happened to you before? Ran out of money, you ran out of friends, and he was stuck. What am I going to do? He, he, he started working at a pig farm, which is a really big deal for a Jew, since they are considered unclean. Really big deal. In order, he started working at a pig farm in order so that he could share food with the pigs. That's hitting rock bottom. And somewhere in this rock bottom, the thought comes to him, you know, daddy has servants. Daddy's got a whole big household. And they have, like, food to eat. They're not eating with the pigs. What if I go home and I ask dad if I can be a servant? He'll just bring me on as a slave, as a servant. And so on his way home, I'm sure he was thinking, this is what I'm going to say, this is what I'm going to do. I'll beg, I'll do whatever I have to do. On his way home, the father sees him from afar. And the father, it says, he ran to the son. A landowner at the time would never, ever run. That was very undignified. Also, what was he doing? Like, how did he see him from afar? He must have been looking. Maybe every morning he got up and looked out the window and prayed and said, God, would you bring my boy home? But he sees him from afar off. He runs to him. He puts his robe upon him. He puts his, his signet ring upon him, which is the sign of his authority. He tells his servants, run home and kill the fattened calf, which is a very, very big deal. It's, it's like the good china. We're going to put it on tonight. It's filet. It is, it is going to be on tonight. We are going to have a party for my son who went away and partied away all my, half of my estate. And the son comes home, he brings him home. And the, the elder son, who's been there the whole time, he comes in from the, from the fields. He's been working hard. And he says, what's going on? He hears the noise. <coughs> One of the servants says, 
the father has welcomed your brother back. He has come back, and so he has killed the fatted calf, and we are having a party, and the eldest son gets incredibly angry and indignant. He won't go into the party, and the father comes out and says, what is the deal? What's going on out here? And he says, you are throwing a party. You've killed the fatted calf. I've been faithful. I've been with you. I have been a good boy. I've been your good son this whole time. He's gone off. He's wasted it on whores and prostitutes. He's lived up. He's been doing crack. He's been living up a crazy life. He comes back and you throw a party. And you've never even given me a goat. And you give him the fatted calf. What is the deal here? And the father says, if your son's come home, you should be excited. You should be happy. He was dead and now he's alive. And see, in that story, we are all According to our nature, according to our background, we tend to be one of those brothers. Some of us tend to be the prodigal son. You're the partier. I don't make you raise your hand here, but you're the party. You like, you like to live it up, and you have lived it up. Maybe you're living it up now. I have no idea. You, you, you're that, like you tend, like you, you feel your heart, and you tend to like want to be the bad boy, the bad girl. You want to do those things that you should know you shouldn't do, and you just kind of, that's the way you go. And so you, it's very apparent that kid, that is far from his parents' heart, right? But you know what? The older son isn't any closer to his father's heart than the younger son. The older son still, the younger son viewed his father as a tool in order to get the money that his father owned, and so did the son, the older son. The older son just said, I'm going to earn the estate. I'm going to earn his favor by being the good kid. I'm going to be the one that wakes up early in the morning and I'm going to read my Bible for an hour, and I'm going to pray for two hours, and I'm going to go to church every time it's open, and I'm going to say all the prayers and do all the deal. I'm going to check off every checklist, and because I do that, then he has to honor me. I have to get what I want from him because I've been good. But you just view the, the Father as a tool in order to get what you want from him. We're both, no matter what side you fall on that, we both are far from the heart of God. That's how, so, so both religion and irreligion can put you far away from the heart of God this morning. So whether you have been in church a long time and you're a quote good person, you check every list and you felt like you've carried the burden, you've carried the load and you feel like God owes you something. I could have felt this more, that way this morning. God, I've taken extra time. I don't get paid for this. We, we put a lot of time and energy and effort to this launch and our first Sunday morning it's cold and it's rainy, the mailer didn't go out and the communion table's not working we didn't get the banner up, we didn't get to do pre-service prayer, God you owe me something in return because of all I've given up for you but the heart of the son that's been brought near to the father is one that says no I don't earn anything from you because I've been good only here in your house because of your good pleasure. Because this, as this text says in Ephesians, because he has predestined us in love to adoption. Predestined. You know, um, my wife and I have been, we've been waiting. For, we, we have a daughter, she's five years old, and it took us a while to have her but we still thought it wouldn't be an issue. We started to trying after we had her, and we just had trouble having a kid. It just takes us a long time. 
some, some people, we have some friends that are microwaves, and we're more like a crock pot. It just, you know, <laughs> some got, they have a bullet, you know, in, in every case, and, you know, some, you know, I don't know. We had a, we wouldn't have checked, everything checked, nothing showed up. They just said, we can't explain why. This is just a deal. And so my wife and I said, well, we've always talked about maybe adopting in the future. We thought maybe when the kids are older, we would adopt somebody new, but maybe this is the time to go ahead and adopt. So we started the process to adopt with uh, South Carolina DSS. We've been waiting for a kid. We've been waiting for a kid for months and I guess now for a year and a half. Year and a half we've been waiting. We got a call or an email a few weeks ago. Said, we got a kid for you. Uh, parental rights aren't terminated. There's some issues going on, but we got a kid for you. It's a boy. He's two and a half years old. They sent us a blurry picture. We, we loved that kid before we ever met that kid. Wow, we didn't know him. We'd never seen him. Because our hearts had been longing, looking for a son. We were waiting for him. We, were, we, we put time and effort. We, we did classes. We filled out all kinds of paperwork multiple times. We waited on pins and needles, waiting for that kid, waiting for him, waiting for him, waiting for him, even though we did not know him, we loved him. And when he came to our house two and a half weeks ago, I just fell in love with the kid in the first hour. He called me daddy in the first hour he was in the house. I was done. I, I, I melted. It, it was it. I cried. I, I cried again. I'm going to talk about it a long day. I'll cry again. He's, he's, he's got my heart already. I don't he, he shares no DNA, no blood with me. We have nothing in common. He has kind of sandy blonde hair. He looks totally different. I don't think people would think that he's my kid by looking at him, but he. And we haven't even adopted. We don't know that it's going to work out. We're fostering him right now in order, hoping that we can adopt him. We have no idea what's going to happen. But in my heart, he's my son. He's my boy. I don't even know what all he likes to eat yet, but he's my boy. He's my boy. Think about this. The, the heavenly father, if you are a child of his today, if you are a believer in Christ today, the heavenly father loved you with the kind of love that he predestined you to be his kid. He set everything in motion in order for that to happen. And here's where it goes a whole other level above what Megan and I did. We started the process, but we had to wait. We couldn't control who was going to come or what time he was going to come or anything. But the Father, your <laughs> Heavenly Father, is the one who flung the world into existence. He holds it in the palm of his hand. Everything that happens, as Kramer talked about at the very beginning, he is in control of. So he didn't just happen to get you as a son. He designed eternity that he would give you as a child. He knew where you would be born and who you would be born to. He knew what would be done to you and what you would do. He knew the good and the bad that you accomplished. He knew how messed up you were or how great you were. And he planned all the circumstances of your life good, seemingly good, and seemingly bad in order to bring you to himself. 
send out a blanket welcome to people to come be my children. But I'm going to just design your life, your minute circumstances, so that you know, so that I'm drawing you to myself, so that not only do we live in happy community in a garden, but I would go one step Sons, come on. But here's the reason he used that term. Because at the time, in the Roman world, women were almost chattel. They were almost a possession for a man to have. But Paul uses the term sons for both women and men. Because sons, this wording is a, has to do with a position of privilege. It's like being a or a son of a wealthy landowner who has a position, a privilege, of honor. He calls you his son. Ladies, men, if you are a believer in Christ today, he has predestined that you would be his son. It shows... It shows that you are special objects of his love and favor. Special objects of his love and favor. That he has looked upon you and he says, for some reason, though you have no, no qualifications, you don't have a resume that deserves it, for some reason I am going to put my fatherly love upon you and I am going to pour out my favor upon you, though you do not deserve it, though you hewed for yourself cisterns that were empty, though you turned away from me, the fountain of living waters, I am showing you special love and favor. If you are a child of God today, if you are a son, he has shown you special love and favor. You may not feel like it. You may feel like you've been the, been the bottom your whole life. You may feel like you've been overlooked and ignored and you've gotten the scraps from the table. But I want you to know if you believe in Jesus Christ today, you are a special object of love and favor. He has predestined that to be so. He determined before the wording there is before the world began, before you drew breath, before you did anything that you think is good or bad, he predestined you by his favor. It shows heirship, which means a participation in his glory. He has brought you into his glory, his joy, that, that community that we are talking about that has existed between the Father and the Son of his love and the Spirit throughout all of eternity. He has brought you into that. You, we has called us to share in that glory, share in the joy, share in the beauty and the wonder that it is to be in communication with God himself. He has shown us special, as special objects of his love and favor. He has poured out his airship upon us, which is a hidden glory the world can't see. But number three, he has 
He has given us a participation in his nature. And this is where it goes another whole level above what Megan and I hope to do with our foster son. Because no matter, no matter how long we have him in our house, no matter how much I indoctrinate him as a Clemson lover, as a football lover, no matter how much I indoctrinate him as a lover of coffee and uh, some of the other things that I love and enjoy, not his age, I mean, stick with me, as he, gets older, as he gets older, as a lover of hamburgers, and man, no matter how much I do that, he and I will never share blood, we'll never share DNA, he'll always have different hair than me, different eyes, different facial structure, different body, I will love him no less, but he'll always be different than me, but here's where it goes in a whole other level above. Jesus Christ, through what he has done for you and for me, has caused us to share in the very nature of the Father. Look at Galatians 4, verse 6. Galatians 4, verse 6. And because you are sons, because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son that's Jesus Christ into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. The, the, the word in there doesn't come, quite come across in the English, but Abba is, is, like, is like Daddy. It's very intimate relationship with the Father. He has sent his spirit into our hearts, crying, Daddy, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. If you are a child of God today, if you are a son, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ today, he has sent his spirit into your heart. He is, you're living in such tight community, such intimate relationship that he is, he is in you. And he, that's a promise that he gave in the scripture. He said, I will be in them and among them. I will be, I will be their God and I'll be my people. He's, he is dwelling in our hearts. We are in Christ and he is in us. We are awash in Christ. And his spirit has been sent to our hearts to change our very nature so we begin to start to think, look, and act, and talk like our Father. We begin to start to look Participants in his nature. I'm going to try to bring this in for a close. I get so excited. Thanks for playing along. Ephesians 1. Look at verse, verse 5. In love, he predestined us for adoption of the sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. According to the purpose of his will. That, that wording there. shows God's delight in doing this. It wasn't because you and I had any merit or any favor or any had earned any, any favor. It was just because he wanted to do it. He just wanted to. He wanted to do it. A warm, out of a warm love and affection. Our, our foster son, I'd, I'd never met him three weeks ago. But we looked upon him with a warm 
favor, a warm delight. It was our delight. He's going to come in, and he's an eater. Sophia is not an eater. Sophia eats like a little bird, our five-year-old daughter. Like, it's, it's, it's a struggle to get her to eat anything except Bojangles chicken. And even then, it's just, she just kind of plays at it like a little bird. He is an eater already. Two and a half year old. He loves to eat. Like, it's costing us money. He, he's, he's a groaner in his sleep. He'll, in the middle of his sleep. Wakes you up in a cold sweat. What? What's going on? We went to a conference this past week and four of us slept in the same uh, hotel room. And he was just in the middle of the night. We're, we're like, what? Megan's like, what's going on? This is terrible. But at one point, Megan said, I have woken up. 12 times tonight. <laughs> it, it takes extra work. There's now, there's now two kid seats in the back, car, in the back seat of the car. It, it takes twice as long to get out of the house. And he's messy. He's a boy. He's messy. Fluids are always coming out of different holes in the face and smells coming out. Even as a two-and-a-half-year-old, it, it, it's not easy. We had to clear out a, you know, you have the, you have that room where you got kind of stuff kind of collects in that room, just happens to collect in there. We had to clear all that out so we could put his bed in there, and we had to buy stuff to, to it took a lot of work and effort. It takes effort. It's a two-and-a-half-year-old. Even though it takes work and effort, it's out of the warm delight of our hearts that we get to do that. God, in uniting us to Christ, did so out of a warm delight and affection for you. I'm not going to cover this other verse. You can skip that one, Hudson. Uh, it's, it's really cool. If you want to look at John 17, the, the, the prayer that Jesus prays about how he's been in perfect fellowship with the Father forever, <laughs> and that he's going to go to the cross, and God's going to sh- finally show the glory that he has shared with the Son forever, and he the Son's prayer for you and for me. In fact, he specifically says this prayer isn't just for these disciples that are here with me now. It's for those who will believe later on. And he says, here's my prayer, that they would be one in us even as we are one. That's the prayer that Jesus prayed for you and me. That we would be united together in Christ to the Father really awesome. It's really awesome. In fact, uh, when you look at uh, just another little tidbit here, when it says, in love, he predestined us. So that's, that kind of has two aspects to it. He predestined us. That means he predestined you individually, as we talked about, but it also means he predestined us. Because if you are a son of the Father, and if you are a son of the Father, and you're the son of the Father, and you're a son of the Father, what does that make us? Siblings, right? Makes us brothers and sisters. It makes us a family. Together, we're a family. We have an identity not only with our father, but we have identity with a family. Maybe you had a great family. Maybe you had a stinky family. It doesn't matter because now you're a part of the eternal family with the eternally good and holy father at the head. And we are going to have an awesome time throughout all of eternity enjoying the benefits of being a part of the family of God. It's amazing. It's amazing. But let's look at this last Last section, and then we'll be done. Verse 6. I'd love to camp on this forever, but I can't. 
verse 6. This is why he has done this. To the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. To the praise of his glorious grace. You know, you know what the glory of God is? Have you heard people talk about the glory of God? And maybe you're like me and you've you heard a long time and you didn't even know what it meant or you said, you know, you know, glory be to God or whatever. But here's what the glory of God is. It's the glory of God, because you and I can't see God, right? We can't see him. We're all on the same page with that. Nobody's seen God. All right, we're good. Nobody's seen God, but God has shown us his inner being through certain beautiful sunrise, the look in my foster son's eyes whenever he, whenever he asks him if he wants a banana and his eyes light up, you see the glory of God shown in that. But most clearly, he has shown us his inner beauty. He has gone public with his inner beauty. It's the external, it's the, I have a little thing over here, it's the, actually I'm right, I stole it from somebody, the external elegance of the internal excellencies of God. Why did I write that? That's very complicated. Here, here's what it means. It's what you see when God goes public in his beauty. And he said it's his glorious grace. So God is showing us his beauty. He's going public with his beauty, with his glory, with his perfection, and showing us the grace. And what is grace? It's the unmerited favor that you and I have fallen under if we are sons and daughters of rich uncle died. Right? You ever thought about that? Because like, where are you going to get money? Like, there's only like, the lottery or, you know, uh, Ed McMahon. I don't know if he's, he's not still, he's dead, he's dead isn't he? Yeah, but he used to pass out million dollar checks, right? Ten million dollar checks. Like, somebody's going to show up at my house a long lost dead uncle. I didn't know he existed. He didn't have any kids. And for some reason, he left his vast wealth to me. You would get incredibly incredibly rich man. We'll say Bill, Bill Gates. And he says, I'm going to find somebody to adopt. And he goes out and he finds someone to adopt and he brings a child who was uh, had no parents, had nothing going on, poor, maybe from another country, maybe from this country, it doesn't matter. They're poor. Their destiny seemed to be going down the wrong way. And he comes in and he picks this child up child would have an adjustment period. Because if you think and feel differently when you have a family, when you have a father, and particularly if you have a family or father, I wouldn't know, who has vast, vast wealth. It takes an adjustment period. And that's what we're in as believers. We're in the adjustment period. 
You have been adopted by the one who owns the entire universe. And it takes a while for us to start thinking and feeling and acting according to the new family that we've been brought into. And that's why it's messy, and that's why it's Landon, our son, our foster son, he doesn't quite know the rules of the house yet. He's still figuring out you can't have fits, you can't kick and scream, that you can't do certain things, that's not the way that we play, that's not the way we do this. He's still learning, but he's still my son, my foster son. He's my son. He's my boy. He's my boy. That adjustment period as he comes to know what it is to be a member of our family, that's the part that we're in as believers. We'll close with this verse, John 1, verse 12. are thinking about the praise of his glorious grace which he has blessed us in the beloved which he has <laughs> lavished upon us in the son it's only through the son it's only through him that we are brought into being sons the only reason that we can be united to him is because of what our older brother did for us he wasn't the older brother like in the the story of the prodigal son who was saying hey why'd you bring him in he's the older brother who paid the penalty for us to bring us back and unite us back to god and our inheritance is his inheritance. First John 1, verse 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, the right or the power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. If you today are here and you're a child of God and you believe in Jesus Christ, you're, you're so because he gave you the power in order to do it. And that should be great encouragement to you because that means you aren't kept by your power or your good choices. You are kept by his power. You are kept by the strength of his hand. And if today maybe you're not a believer in Jesus Christ. Maybe you've been that older brother and you've been keeping all the rules, but your heart has been far from the Father even though you've looked right from the outside, then to you today, is given the, you are given the right or the power to become children of God. Not by your will, or the will of the flesh, but by the power of God. And because it is all of him, then he gets all the praise. To the praise of his glorious which he has blessed us in the beloved. So here's what we're going to do. The band's going to come up. And we're going to sing part of a song. And then Dale and I are going to come up and we're going to have communion together. And through music and through the bread and the cup from Food Lion, which has Welch's grape juice in it, we are going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate we're going to pray the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in Jesus Christ. We're going to remember how Jesus Christ stood in between God the Father and his wrath and, and me and brought me to the Father. And then after communion, you can feel free to come at any given time as we do it. Take your time to think and pray. If you want to go get your children out of Doxa Kids, you can feel free to do that as a family for take a communion together. It's your choice, your option. 
And then after that, we're going to sing a couple of songs that are celebrating, that are praising the glorious grace of Jesus Christ with which he has shown us in the Son of his love. The Father has shown us in the Son of his love, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your goodness to us, for your glorious grace. God, our hearts should be enraptured and captured with how good you are to us. So I pray that you would remind us today of just how good that you are. God, some of us have uh, had tough weeks. Some of us had tough lives. We have felt like we've been the bottom. We've been the gum under the shoe. But today I pray that in time we take of the bread and the juice that we see of your grace and goodness to us, that we would be uh, assured today that you love us with a warm, everlasting predestining love that has drawn us to you, and that we have found a home in the Father, and we have found a home in the family that isn't based upon our merit. For those of us that have never made a decision, God, that we've never come to you, I pray that we would, that you would close that deal with us today, that you would draw us to yourself, that you would awaken our hearts to the praise of the glorious grace that's found in Jesus Christ, that we would be considered sons and daughters high privilege of being sons and daughters.